0: gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what is sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground... This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while. And when troubles or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. The cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. It's the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak in the name of the one living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today's gospel, today's parable reminds me of a a great evening I spent. This was in early October 2018, my last year in seminary. That evening, it was a Friday evening, a number of us gathered on the front porch of a house on the seminary campus, right in the center of the campus. Now, it was one of those crisp... Autumn evening. And we were, we were gathered at a huge rambling house, a house built in the 1800s. And we were there because one of my closest friends lived there with his wife and six children. The seminary had made special provisions for such a large family, allowing him to live on campus at this huge house. And many houses, as many houses built in that that era, special attention was paid to the front porch. The porch was designed and crafted to be a place that was inviting, inviting you to come and stay, linger, sit, and hold conversations to develop relationships. And that's what we were doing that evening. It was my close friend and several other of our friends, our classmates at seminary. We spent the evening enjoying each other's company and talking. Now, we were all seniors in seminary, and I know you suspect we were probably discussing deep theological issues and topics like the nature of the Trinity or the coming eschaton. But as I recall, it was just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about college football. It was a great night. But that's not the part that reminds me of today's parable you see, this, this porch and this, this building set under the canopy of a magnificent oak tree, a tree that was easily over 100 years old. Now, it was early, uh, early uh, October, which means it was time for the acorns to fall, and that's what they were doing. And over this front porch was a tin roof, and so about every minute or so, sometimes less, an acorn would fall and hit that tin roof, bam, like a firecracker going off. bam, throughout the evening. I did a little research. I found out that oak trees of that size produce about 10,000 acorns every season. Think about that, 10,000. Now there's a parallel here with today's gospel, today's parable. When you think about it, how many of those 10,000 acorns that fell off that tree at Virginia Theological Seminary, how many of those acorns took plant and are now new oak trees going? Well, the answer is very, very few. Let's face it, most of those acorns ended up as squirrel food, right? And the same is, and there's a parallel with today's gospel lesson, the parable, because the way the parable is told, it seems like, most of the seed was thrown on the path where it was eaten up or thrown onto rocky soil where it, where it died quickly or in areas where there were thorn bushes and was choked. But there's another parallel, and it's this. Think about it. When an oak tree drops thousands and thousands of acorns, only a few take root, only a few grow, but what comes out of that is something magnificent, isn't it? Another magnificent oak tree. And the same is true in our parable. It seems like relatively few seed fell in fertile soil, good soil, but it produced amazing crops. Likewise, this tells us that those of us who receive the fertile Seed of the good news of, of Christ, we can do amazing things. Now, here's the thing about parables, okay? We've been talking about seed, but, but, but parables, Jesus' parables are magnificent because there are so many different ways to look at them. There's so many different lenses, facets that you can, that you can mine. And so for now, I want to turn from the seed aspect of this parable to the sower who is the sower? Well, Matthew leaves a couple of clues, clues that tell us that he intended the sower to be interpreted as Jesus himself. And these are some literary device clues. First, did you notice that as our story opens, we are told that Jesus went out of the house. And then just a verse or two later, Jesus opens the parable by saying, A sower went out. To sew. This is a classic device used by authors using the same verb and the same tense to connect characters. Also, if we take a look at the, um, at the overview of Matthew, I don't need to tell you. You all know that Matthew has 27 chapters. You all know that, right? It has 27 chapters. This comes from chapter 13. The very centerpiece of the uh, of the chat of the book of the gospel Matthew carefully places this story right at the center of his gospel and many biblical scholars believe that Jesus here was telling a parable about his ministry about himself in other words he spent his ministry sowing these seeds of the news of God's kingdom so If the sower is Jesus, what does this parable tell us about Jesus? Well, the first thing it tells us is that Jesus must have been a lousy farmer. Think about it. What kind of farmer takes this valuable seed and throws it so indiscriminately? Throws it on paths where it can't grow. Throws it on areas where there is rocky soil. The farmer knows. The sower knows it's not going to grow there long term. Throws in an area where there are thorn bushes without first removing the thorn bushes and throwing only some of the seed into good soil. Why would the farmer, why would the sower do that? Why would Jesus portray himself that way? Well, I think for the answer, we need to go to Yogi Berra once again. Yogi Berra, who once said, because... You never know. You never know. You never know what might come of some of those seeds, and we have all seen this ourselves in nature. We've all been there, walking across a uh, old asphalt parking uh, parking lot, and seen a beautiful flower somehow making its way up through. We've all seen this, I'm sure, and I saw it just last week when I followed the advice of somebody. Somebody looked at me last week and said, Randy, go take a hike. So I went and took a hike. And we hiked along a uh, river. It took a while to get that, didn't it? I got it. it. (laughs) Hiked along a river, and on, on, on several points on this river, there were huge boulders. And yet out of those boulders, out of cracks in those boulders, magnificent bushes were growing. We've all also been in this position where we're driving down a highway, going past a sheer cliff and you, look up and you see what? You see trees growing out of the cliff, out of the sheer side of the cliff, somehow, some way creating a beautiful tree in that space. You never know where the seed might actually take root. And the same is true for human beings. You never know where the seed of the good news of the kingdom of God might take root. For example, it can take root in places like prisons in Alabama. I've had the privilege three times to serve on a Kairos ministry team. Now, Kairos is a prison ministry, and it uh, it is it is found in several, not all, but maybe half of the prisons. In Alabama, and it's, it's a national ministry. The Kairos ministry is built around three day weekends. The teams who go into the prisons for these weekends, they meet for months ahead of time to prepare. But on the, on the appointed weekend, the teams go in for three and a half days, all day from eight o'clock till seven o'clock, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday from one o'clock to seven o'clock. And we meet with inmates who have been selected to attend Kairos. Now many of them will apply, will, will, will ask to be a part of the Kairos weekend. There usually are 35 to 40 inmates, and uh, of those who ask to be involved, the, the warden and, and correctional officers will vet those to determine who's most appropriate. And during this intense time, we sing a lot of songs. We hear Uh, We hear devotionals, we hear discussions on various aspects of, or or presentations on aspects of faith, and then we sit at tables and discuss these presentations with one another, and we also share our stories, our backgrounds, and the backgrounds of those inmates who are with us. We spend time together, we get to know each other, we get to respect each other, and we get to the point ultimately of loving each other. And at the end of this three-day weekend, you can pretty much separate the, the, uh, the inmates into various groups. The first is the group that came for the food. You see, another big part of Curcio is food. I don't know if you've ever been exper- exposed to it, but food in the Alabama prison system is horrid. And everybody... All the, all the folks at the prison know about the Kairos food, and that's one of the reasons that they want to be there, because we bring great food for lunch and great food for dinner and lots of it, as much as they can eat. And at the end of the weekend, there's a pretty significant group of men who came for the food, and that's all they got out of it. They got great food, and now they're ready to go back to their lives within the prison. And that's fine. We know that's going to happen. And then there's another group, another group that maybe came for the food, but they were truly touched. They were touched by what they heard, what they saw, what they felt and experienced. But unfortunately, when they go back into the population and go back into their daily lives, daily existence within the prison, the cares, the concerns, the pressures, quickly drive their newfound faith away, much like the seeds that fell on the rocky soil. But there's always another group. It's not a huge group, but it's also not an insignificant number. And these are the folks who attend Kairos and who are deeply and permanently changed, whose very souls are changed because they felt They've experienced, they've witnessed for the first time the love of God, the love of Christ, and those that are truly changed, they go back into the prison population and they change the environment there. If you talk to the wardens, if you talk to other administrative uh, officials in the Alabama prison system, they will tell you that there is a significant and positive difference between the the prisons where there is a Kairos presence and the prisons where there is none. You see, these men are changed and they go back and they make this world, this prison world, a better place for the others. You see, that's why Jesus is such an indiscriminate sower, Jesus loves everyone. Jesus wants all to receive the good news of the kingdom of God. And Jesus knows that you never know. You never know where it's going to take root, where it's going to change an individual who then can change the lives of others. But Jesus isn't here anymore. I mean, he's here spiritually, we all know that. He's with us in that sense. But he's not here physically. He can't spread those seeds like the sower of the parable. Instead, the body of Christ is the church. And the church, in turn, is not this building. The church is you and me. And so in a very real sense, we, you and I, we occupy two roles in this parable. The first is, is the recipient of the seed, the soil. Now, none of us are on the paths because we're all here in church, so we have actually received the good news of the kingdom of God. But we're also called to be sowers of that seed. To be the body of Christ, and to, to spread that seed of the good news. And so today's gospel lesson really asks two questions of us, of each of us individually. The first question is this, what type of soil am I? What type of soil am I? Am I the rocky soil so that, yeah, I get, I get, the, I get the good news, but when I leave this building, well, all the cares and concerns and the pressures out there, they, they kind of drive my faith away until I get back next week. Am I the am I soil with thorn bushes so that, again, when I leave this place, i got to be concerned with making a living. i got to be concerned with, with pursuing money, pursuing possessions. Or am I the good soil, a place where this good news can take root in me, and on Sunday and every other day of the week, I, I can sow those seeds of good news. Which brings the second question: If indeed I am fertile soil, if I am good soil, how am I doing on sowing those seeds? How am I doing? You see, Jesus calls us to be indiscriminate sowers just like he was. Jesus calls us to spread these seeds of the good news to our family, to our friends, to those who look like us and talk like us and act like us. And, and beyond. You see, while it's inconvenient often inconvenient, we are also called to be just as indiscriminate and to spread those seeds to those who don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't act like us. We are called to be Jesus' image in that respect. because Because if we are indiscriminate sowers of the good news, you never know. You never know where that seed might fall, whose life it might change, and in turn, who else will be touched. So, what kind of soil am I? What kind of sower am I? Amen.